Chapter twenty two of Chrome Yellow by Aldous Huxley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter twenty two. For the sake of peace and quiet, Dennis had retired earlier on this same afternoon to his bedroom. He wanted to work, but the hour was a drowsy one, and lunch, so recently eaten, weighed heavily on body and mind the meridian demon was upon him he was possessed by that bored and hopeless postprandial melancholy which the cenobites of old knew and feared under the name of oxidi he felt like ernest dowson a little weary he was in the mood to write something rather exquisite and gentle and quietist in tone something a little droopy and at the same time how should he put it a little infinite he thought of anne of love hopeless and unattainable perhaps that was the ideal kind of love the hopeless kind the quiet theoretical kind of love in this sad mood of repletion he could well believe it he began to write one elegant quatrain had flowed from beneath his pen a brooding love which is at most the stealth of moonbeams when they slide evoking colours bloodless ghost or some scarce breathing breast or side when his attention was attracted by a sound from outside he looked down from his window there they were anne and gambeau talking laughing together they crossed the courtyard in front and passed out of sight through the gate in the right-hand wall that was the way to the green clothes in the granary she was going to sit for him again his pleasantly depressing melancholy was dissipated by a puff of violent emotion angrily he threw his quatrain into the waste-paper basket and ran downstairs the stealth of moonbeams indeed in the hall he saw mr scogan the man seemed to be lying in wait dennis tried to escape but in vain mr scogan's eye glittered like the eye of the ancient mariner not so fast he said stretching out a small saurian hand with pointed nails not so fast i was just going down to the flower garden to take the sun we'll go together dennis abandoned himself mr scogan put on his hat and they went out arm in arm on the shaven turf of the terrace henry wimbush and mary were playing a solemn game of bowls they descended by the yew-tree walk it was here thought dennis here that anne had fallen here that he had kissed her here and he blushed with retrospective shame at the memory here that he had tried to carry her and failed life was awful sanity said mr scogan suddenly breaking a long silence sanity that's what's wrong with me and that's what will be wrong with you my dear dennis when you're old enough to be sane or insane in a sane world i should be a great man as things are in this curious establishment i am nothing at all to all intents and purposes i don't exist i am just vox et praeteria nihil dennis made no response he was thinking of other things after all he said to himself after all gambeau is better looking than i more entertaining more confident and besides he's already somebody and i'm still only potential everything that ever gets done in this world is done by madmen mr scogan went on dennis tried not to listen but the tireless insistence of mr scogan's discourse gradually compelled his attention men such as i am such as you may possibly become have never achieved anything we're too sane we're merely reasonable we lack the human touch the compelling enthusiastic mania people are quite ready to listen to the philosophers for a little amusement 
just as they would listen to a fiddler or a mountebank but as to acting on the advice of the men of reason never wherever the choice has had to be made between the man of reason and the madman the world has unhesitatingly followed the madman for the madman appeals to what is fundamental to passion and the instincts the philosophers to what is superficial and supererogatory reason they entered the garden at the head of one of the alleys stood a green wooden bench embayed in the midst of a fragrant continent of lavender bushes it was here though the place was shadeless and one breathed hot dry perfume instead of air it was here that mr scogan elected to sit he thrived on untempered sunlight consider for example the case of luther and erasmus he took out his pipe and began to fill it as he talked there was erasmus a man of reason if ever there was one people listened to him at first a new virtuoso performing on that elegant and resourceful instrument the intellect they even admired and venerated him but did he move them to behave as he wanted them to behave reasonably decently or at least a little less porkishly than usual he did not and then luther appears violent passionate a madman insanely convinced about matters in which there can be no conviction he shouted and men rushed to follow him erasmus was no longer listened to he was reviled for his reasonableness luther was serious luther was reality like the great war erasmus was only reason and decency he lacked the power being a sage to move men to action europe followed luther and embarked on a century and a half of war and bloody persecution it's a melancholy story mr scogan lighted a match in the intense light the flame was all but invisible the smell of burning tobacco began to mingle with the sweetly acrid smell of the lavender if you want to get men to act reasonably you must set about persuading them in a maniacal manner the very sane precepts of the founders of religions are only made infectious by means of enthusiasms which to a sane man must appear deplorable it is humiliating to find how impotent unadulterated sanity is sanity for example informs us that the only way in which we can preserve civilization is by behaving decently and intelligently sanity appeals and argues our rulers persevere in their customary porkishness while we acquiesce and obey the only hope is a maniacal crusade i am ready when it comes to beat a tambourine with the loudest but at the same time i shall feel a little ashamed of myself however mr scogan shrugged his shoulders and pipe in hand made a gesture of resignation it's futile to complain that things are as they are the fact remains that sanity unassisted is useless what we want then is a sane and reasonable exploitation of the forces of insanity we sane men will have the power yet mr scogan's eyes shone with a more than ordinary brightness and taking his pipe out of his mouth he gave vent to his loud dry and somehow rather fiendish laugh but i don't want power said dennis he was sitting in limp discomfort at one end of the bench shading his eyes from the intolerable light mr scogan bolt upright at the other end laughed again everybody wants power he said power in some form or other the sort of power you hanker for is literary power some people want power to persecute other human beings you expend your lust for power in persecuting words twisting them moulding them torturing them to obey you 
but i divigate do you asked dennis faintly yes mr scogan continued unheeding the time will come we men of intelligence will learn to harness the insanities to the service of reason we can't leave the world any longer to the direction of chance we can't allow dangerous maniacs like luther mad about dogma like napoleon mad about himself to go on casually appearing and turning everything upside down in the past it didn't so much matter but our modern machine is too delicate a few more knocks like the great war another luther or two and the whole concern will go to pieces in future the men of reason must see that the madness of the world's maniacs is canalized into proper channels is made to do useful work like a mountain torrent driving a dynamo making electricity to light a swiss hotel said dennis you ought to complete the simile mr scogan waved away the interruption there's only one thing to be done he said the men of intelligence must combine must conspire and seize power from the imbeciles and maniacs who now direct us they must found the rational state the heat that was slowly paralyzing all dennis's mental and bodily faculties seemed to bring to mr scogan additional vitality he talked with an ever-increasing energy his hands moved in sharp quick precise gestures his eyes shone hard dry and continuous his voice went on sounding and sounding in dennis's ears with the insistence of a mechanical noise in the rational state he heard mr scogan saying human beings will be separated out into distinct species not according to the colour of their eyes or the shape of their skulls but according to the qualities of their mind and temperament examining psychologists trained to what would now seem an almost superhuman clairvoyance will test each child that is born and assign it to its proper species duly labelled and docketed the child will be given the education suitable to members of its species and will be set in adult life to perform those functions which human beings of his variety are capable of performing how many species will there be asked dennis a great many no doubt mr scogan answered the classification will be subtle and elaborate but it is not in the power of a prophet to go into details nor is it his business i will do no more than indicate the three main species into which the subjects of the rational state will be divided he paused cleared his throat and coughed once or twice evoking in dennis's mind the vision of a table with a glass and water bottle and lying across one corner a long white pointer for the lantern pictures the three main species mr scogan went on will be these the directing intelligences the men of faith and the herd among the intelligences will be found all those capable of thought those who know how to attain a certain degree of freedom and alas how limited even among the most intelligent that freedom is from the mental bondage of their time a select body of intelligence drawn from among those who have turned their attention to the problems of practical life will be the governors of the rational state they will employ as their instruments of power the second great species of humanity the men of faith the madmen as i have been calling them who believe in things unreasonably with passion and are ready to die for their beliefs and their desires these wild men with their fearful potentialities for good or for mischief will no longer be allowed to react casually to a casual environment there will be no more caesar borgias no more luthers and mohammeds no more joanna southcotts no more comstocks the old-fashioned man of faith and desire 
that haphazard creature of brute circumstance who might drive men to tears and repentance or who might equally well set them on to cutting one another's throats will be replaced by a new sort of madman still externally the same still bubbling with a seemingly spontaneous enthusiasm but ah how very different from the madman of the past for the new man of faith will be expending his passion his desire and his enthusiasm in the propagation of some reasonable idea he will be all unawares the tool of some superior intelligence mr scogan chuckled maliciously it was as though he were taking a revenge in the name of reason on enthusiasts from their earliest years as soon that is as the examining psychologists have assigned them their place in the classified scheme the men of faith will have had their special education under the eye of the intelligences moulded by a long process of suggestion they will go out into the world preaching and practising with a generous mania the coldly reasonable projects of the directors from above when these projects are accomplished or when the ideas that were useful a decade ago have ceased to be useful the intelligences will inspire a new generation of madmen with a new eternal truth the principal function of the men of faith will be to move and direct the multitude that third great species consisting of those countless millions who lack intelligence and are without valuable enthusiasm when any particular effort is required of the herd when it is thought necessary for the sake of solidarity that humanity shall be kindled and united by some single enthusiastic desire or idea the men of faith primed with some simple and satisfying creed will be sent out on a mission of evangelization at ordinary times when the high spiritual temperature of a crusade would be unhealthy the men of faith will be quietly and earnestly busy with the great work of education in the upbringing of the herd humanity's almost boundless suggestibility will be scientifically exploited systematically from earliest infancy its members will be assured that there is no happiness to be found except in work and obedience they will be made to believe that they are happy that they are tremendously important beings and that everything they do is noble and significant for the lower species the earth will be restored to the centre of the universe and man to preeminence on the earth oh i envy the lot of the commonalty in the rational state working there eight hours a day obeying their betters convinced of their own grandeur and significance and immortality they will be marvellously happy happier than any race of men has ever been they will go through life in a rosy state of intoxication from which they will never awake the men of faith will play the cup-bearers at this lifelong bacchanal filling and ever filling again with the warm liquor that the intelligences in sad and sober privacy behind the scenes will brew for the intoxication of their subjects and what will be my place in the rational state dennis drowsily inquired from under his shading hand mr scogan looked at him for a moment in silence it's difficult to see where you would fit in he said at last you couldn't do manual work you're too independent and unsuggestible to belong to the larger herd you have none of the characteristics required in a man of faith as for the directing intelligences they will have to be marvellously clear and merciless and penetrating he paused and shook his head no i can see no place for you only the lethal chamber deeply hurt dennis emitted the imitation of a loud homeric laugh i'm getting sunstroke here he said and got up 
mr scogan followed his example and they walked slowly away down the narrow path brushing the blue lavender flowers in their passage dennis pulled a sprig of lavender and sniffed at it then some dark leaves of rosemary that smelt like incense in a cavernous church they passed a bed of opium poppies dispetaled now the round ripe seed-heads were brown and dry like polynesian trophies dennis thought severed heads stuck on poles he liked the fancy enough to impart it to mr scogan like polynesian trophies uttered aloud the fancy seemed less charming and significant than it did when it first occurred to him there was a silence and in a growing wave of sound the whirr of the reaping machines swelled up from the fields beyond the garden and then receded into a remoter hum it is satisfactory to think said mr scogan as they strolled slowly onward that a multitude of people are toiling in the harvest fields in order that we may talk of polynesia like every other good thing in this world leisure and culture have to be paid for fortunately however it is not the leisured and the cultured who have to pay let us be duly thankful for that my dear dennis duly thankful he repeated and knocked the ashes out of his pipe dennis was not listening he had suddenly remembered anne she was with gambeau alone with him in his studio it was an intolerable thought shall we go and pay a call on gambeau he asked carelessly it would be amusing to see what he's doing now he laughed inwardly to think how furious gambeau would be when he saw them arriving End of chapter 22. Recording by Expatria in Bangor, Maine.